Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 2 for just a minute. That song transports us to another time and another place, the life of a 17th or 18th century drummer boy. I want to use that as a backdrop this morning. On the front table here, you may or may not be able to see it. There's a replica drum just like the one that the young boy was playing in the video, a replica drum from the Civil War of what a drummer boy would have carried into battle um, in the Civil War. In Matthew chapter 2, it says of the wise men in verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I want to take the time this morning to develop the entire story of the wise men, when they came, all the things related to what they did. But I do want to draw our attention to what they did when they came, which is they fell down and they worshipped him, a young child, with Mary, his mother, none of the trappings of royalty surrounding him, just a child in a house. But they had faith that what they had read in the word was true, that this child, had come to save them from their sin. And they gave to this child what they brought. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. As we start this morning, just this brief devotional, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, I know most of us that are here today gathered know you. You have brought us to a place in our life when we have been converted. We have understood what sin is and how destructive, how it mars the human soul, dooms us. And understanding our situation, we have turned, received you as Savior and worshipped you. But Lord, I'm sure that there's someone here today that has never been saved. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take something that is said and use what is said to make an eternal difference in their life. For those of us that know you, Lord, may we just join the chorus of the angels in worshiping you for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message today is All That I Can Give, and I want to use the framework of Matthew chapter 2, going into the house. They saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down. They worshipped him. 
and opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, not to disappoint you, but there was no drummer boy with the wise men, was there? No, there was no drummer boy with the wise men. And yet, when we sing or we hear this song, we enter in to the life of a 17th or 18th century drummer boy and perhaps what it would have been like to live a life like his and to think of meeting the Savior. You know, there is a difference between something that is unbiblical and something that is extra-biblical. Something that is unbiblical is when we say something that is really contrary to Scripture. While we were singing today, I noticed something in one of my favorite carols that is just blatantly unbiblical. Away in a manger. And little Lord Jesus, little baby Jesus, no crying he makes? What baloney is that? (laughs) What baloney is that? Who are you trying to fool? You know, what are we trying to do? Make Jesus something he wasn't? Yes, he's God. But he's 100% man. And he entered into everything that we enter into. Did Jesus cry? Yeah. You know when he cried? When he messed his diaper? (laughs) You know, I don't know if it was a real diaper. It sure wasn't a pamper. But Jesus didn't have a cushy life devoid of all pain and suffering. No, he lived a life that was sinless in his perfection. But to cry is not to sin. And it's almost misleading to portray that. Something that's extra-biblical, on the other hand, is when we take something that's not really recorded in Scripture, and yet in an attempt to make it relevant to our life, we take something that is relevant to Scripture, and we apply it to ourselves. So it would be with a song like The Drummer Boy. It's extra-biblical. There was no drummer boy with the magi. There was no drummer boy with the shepherds. But when we think of a drummer boy and the life of a 17th or 18th century drummer boy, we actually are thinking about someone who in that society, although many times was glorified and there was a lot of glamour to it, nevertheless lived a very lonely life. You know, drummer boys were children who were recruited as drummers for use on the battlefield. Common practice till well into the 19th century, Western armies, in fact, this carol that we sing, we don't even know exactly who wrote it, but it was probably handed down from the Czech Republic in Eastern Europe. Western armies recruited young boys to act as drummers. The drums were an important part of the battlefield communication system. Various drum rolls would be used to signal different commands from officers to troops. Probably one of the best well-known paintings of a drummer boy is this depiction of a drummer boy with an older drummer and a fife during the Revolutionary War. The youngest drummer boy on record was a young boy named Nathan Futrell. During the American Civil or American War of Independence, he joined up with the North Carolina 
Continental Militia at the ripe age of seven. Can you imagine? I look at my grandson Thaddeus and he's six. And I think of a year older than that taking drum and going into battle. This is a young boy, John Clem, who was with the Union armies and fought in many major engagements. You know, when we think about the life of a drummer boy, their function was essentially communication. Today in armies, we have internet, we have drones, we have you know, headsets and helmets and every other way to have instant communication. But if you know anything about warfare, communication is key in order for soldiers to deploy and to be able to win a battle. In the ancient world and during these days, there were basically three things. There were couriers, of course, that could bring messages. But there were flags, there were trumpets, and there were drums. And those things were used to signal to various aspects of the army to go into battle at the appropriate time or to act according to the commands of the officers. During the fog of war, think with me of all the smoke and all the carnage and all the mayhem. It was the job of the drummer to pay to play a steady beat to keep the men together as one unit and he would relay messages to the men on the line from the officers. They had to have nerves of steel. You think of that with a young boy. They had to have nerves of steel. If there was anyone on the battlefield who could not break and run, it was the drummer. During those days, there was a lot of glamour and even glory associated with joining up as a drummer boy. However, most parents wouldn't let their kids do it. Most of them were recruited from the poorer classes, and most of them were orphans. They were much loved by their men in their units, and in many ways, they would end up almost being like a mascot to the group. Although it looked exciting, and probably for an, a, a, an orphan, it was almost like what sometimes can happen in our inner cities with a gang. It gave these orphans a sense of belonging and a sense of family because they were a part of a unit. But although it looked glamorous, in the end, it was anything but. Many of them died, not just in battle. During these days, actually during the Revolutionary War, far more men died by disease than they ever did in battle. Camps where hygiene was difficult, food could not be stored well, it was difficult to sanitize water. Disease was rampant. Many of them died of disease. They became targets. If there was any way to shut down an opposing army, it was to disrupt their communications. 
And because of that, when things were going badly, the drummer boys paid a heavy price because they would become targets. Not only that, as soon as the battle was over, the drummer boys were specifically employed as a part of the units of stretcher bearers. And so they would rove the battlefield with stretchers, picking up men who had been wounded and lives had been shattered, men that they knew, that they had walked with, that they had talked with, that they had ate with. They would carry them to these crude field hospitals where care was abysmal. Moreover, once you joined up, it was really hard to get away. You know, today, if you enlist into the military, you do so for generally a few years at a time, and you do so many times with a specific career path in mind. It wasn't so then. If you enlisted in the military many times, especially in the British armies, it was a lifelong enlistment. When you signed up, you gave your life to the army. There were no prospects going forward for these young boys. And so many, as they grew, turned to alcohol and drugs and debauchery. And against that, you set a backdrop of a young boy as depicted in the song. What can I give? All I have to give is I'm a drummer. What do I possibly have as a drummer boy, that God would want from me. As I thought about that, and as I bring the message around to a close, there's just two things I would say. What do I possibly have that I could give to God that would mean anything to Him? He has everything. What could I give The first thing that I would say to you this morning is this. If you're wrestling with this in any way in your mind, is this. The most important thing that I would have you understand this morning from the Word of God is it's not what you can give to God. It's what God wants to give to you. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. My friend, it's not so much what you can give to God as much as what God can give to you. And that is eternal life. And it's a free gift. It's one you simply receive. But having said that, once we give or we receive from the giver the gift of eternal life, and we have been born again, there is in the heart of the believer the true urge to give everything that he has given to us back to him. And so for a drummer boy, what can he give? All that I can give? My drum. My ability. The ability you have given to me. What do I possess that you did not give to me? Everything. 
You've probably heard the words of this little poem. What can I give him? Poor as I am. If I were a shepherd, I'd give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. What can I give him? I'll give him my heart. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the gift of God, which is eternal life. Lord Jesus, I thank you that when the angel announced to Joseph that he should name the child Jesus, that the angel said, you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. I pray that, Lord, you would help us as your people to understand what a blessing it is to have received from you the gift of eternal life. May we worship you continually, giving all that we have and all that we are. If someone is here today that does not know you, I pray that, Lord Jesus, you would bring them to that place where they would just simply present themselves to you. And that, Lord, in a very humble and a sincere way, they would ask of you that you would give to them eternal life that you would forgive them of their sin. They would receive you as their Savior. Lord, even as we sing in closing today, I pray that if there's someone here that has never turned in believing faith to you, that Holy Spirit, you would help that individual to seek you out in sincere faith. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.